Hey, this is Wade with Wade for Wireless, and I hope you're having a great day because today, for one, I got a little bit of theme music. talk about the carrier's state of affairs and when I say carriers I mean the wireless carriers yeah I want to talk about the wireless carriers here in the states anyway their state of affairs so I have some commentary on it that I thought was interesting you guys may or may not find it interesting you can let me know also let me know what you think of the theme music my son came up with that because he's the creative he's a musical talent in the family <laughs> thank god <laughs> guy kid's pretty good in the guitar what can I say but yeah he usually plays a lot he's out there working his butt off so kudos to Dylan Dylan Sarver good job with the music okay here's what I want to talk about today the carriers and I want to talk about specifically what they're doing out there it's interesting because the carriers just aren't spending money this year in wireless deployment boy we all thought it would ramp up and boy we were all wrong well I was wrong I think there were people that said they wouldn't spend a dime they did spend a dime, and that's what I wanted to go over. I wanted to go over each carrier, then I want to go over some things that affect the carriers. Okay, so first, I want to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro. Get it right on the first visit when you're doing your closeout package. Closeout package is done right the first time. Let this software app guide you through it, and also... It sets up a lot of the data so you don't have to. With the pictures, it puts all the metadata in them, all the information, and you're set. I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. Kathy Brand runs a fine state-accredited school out there in Arizona, and she's doing a great job, and that's at towersafety.com. And she also has drone training, which is, I believe, uh, an early adopter here. I think there's something new for everybody, and I think drones are really going to take over the uh, industry now that it, the rules have changed and people can actually do it legally now, or at least a good bit of it. I also want you to remember that I have my books out there. I have the Wireless Deployment Handbook. Yes, the Wireless Deployment Handbook for Small Cell, CRAN, and DAS. And I'm coming out with a few more Wireless Deployment Handbooks, specifically on efficiencies that we can do in deployment, ways to improve employment, uh, deployment, ways to improve deployment for wireless systems. And I also want to write something about some of the problems I've seen in the industry, and I'll get into that later at a future episode. Also, HubbleFoundation.org. Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, Foundation.org. If you can, give a little bit of money because they're helping the families of the tower climbers. Also, TowerFamilyFoundation.org. TowerFamilyFoundation.org. Org. They also do all that they can for the families of tower climbers that die on the job. All right, let's get into it. Wireless carrier state of affairs. Commentary. I just want to go over what's going on in the wireless industry. And uh, well, it's like an analyst view, I guess, what you'd say. But each one is doing something a little different. And I even want to look at FirstNet here in the beginning because FirstNet is, to me, very disappointing. Uh, it's very slow. I get it. It takes a long time to do this. They seem to be 
making sure that they have the best government-run MVNO network out there. <laughs> so kudos to them. <laughs> they might get it rolled out in time for 5G. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> oh, and they, to get it rolled out, what do they have to do? Sign an MVNO agreement, right? And then maybe whatever carrier they strike the agreement with gets all that 700 megahertz spectrum. I, I don't know who's come out, but I didn't hear anything from Verizon. I mean, literally nothing from Verizon about this. They seem like they're so not interested. It's almost like, and I'm not putting words in their mouth, I'm looking for my opinion or my, my view, like an outsider's view. It just seems like it's a waste of their time to deal with it. But AT&T is interested and so is a Bravada. They all seem very, or Rivada, I'm sorry, Bravada. Rivada. Rivada seems very interested. So there you have two people at least competing for the same network. So um, with all the restrictions that FirstNet put on it and all the uh, implications, I'm just saying if Oklahoma, New Jersey, or one of the states would have had this, they'd have a system built up and running and we'd be learning a lot right now. But hey, who am I to question the feds? They know what they're doing, right? Anyway, <laughs> let's roll on here. Sorry, I just had to bust on FirstNet. I'm just very disappointed. So where are the carriers? Well, let's look at Verizon. Verizon continues to grow the network. They continue to improve their network. They continue to densify. They do it through CRAN and ODAS. They do it by adding towers. They just continue to densify the network. I'm really impressed with them. The other thing that they're doing, they set a real standard for 5G. They didn't just throw something in a lab and say, hey, we're testing 5G, look at us. Or they didn't just throw something up and say, look, 5G really works. And it's, you know, really just, it's just uh, the LTE format in um, a different spectrum. You know, that's how I see a lot of these tests going. Although I think now the standards are coming out and I will say kudos to Verizon for setting a standard, a real standard for 5G for actually putting something out there that we can see that's real. And I, I really see Verizon as strengthening their role technology in technology and also in deployment and also the network. They continue to improve the network. I'm very impressed with that. I think a lot of people now think the networks are good enough and everyone says that till they can't make a call, till they can't download data, till their, their bandwidth is restricted. You know, we're all happy with the network till it doesn't work, right? I'm impressed with Verizon. They seem to be nice and steady with their deployment. They also seem to be pumping a lot of money into deployment crews like us is what I see. AT&T, I don't know. AT&T put a lot on hold when they did the DirecTV merger. I guess they had to put those billions towards a different, what you say, allocation within the company. At least that's what I see. Now, don't get me wrong. They are doing some work out there because they have to continue to expand, to grow, but they're doing it on a uh, necessity basis rather than an improvement basis or planning for the future is what I see. And that's the feedback I get from the field. They're doing what they have to do. And, and maybe again, maybe it's one of those things where they just feel like the network is good enough. Maybe they just feel like they don't need to do anymore. And it, it could be that simple. I mean, why do what you don't have to, right? Why spend the money? Okay, let's look at T-Mobile, the number three carrier, the clear number three carrier, T-Mobile, who the way they're going, I think they could catch up to AT&T because they are densifying. They are improving the LTE network. They're spending a lot of money out there. And it's really impressive because not only are they, in my opinion, from what I see, they're doing a pretty good job with the network. Now, don't get me wrong, their coverage needs to improve. The way I see it, they're working on that. They're rolling out LTE at a record pace. They're doing great marketing. That John Laguerre, that guy's amazing. I mean, really, he's a marketing genius is what I see. He seems to be doing a good job, and he really seems to be growing the uh, network. Those are the two things I see with those guys. I'm really impressed with them. So T-Mobile, way to go, way to keep the uh, industry busy, and way to improve the network and way to add carriers. I just see as a triple threat right now. 
Good job. Then we have Sprint, number four, who expands at, you know, what would you say? <laughs> an inch at a time. They just have no money to spend or they won't spend any money. I don't know if they don't have, well, they don't have it. They're obviously deep, deep, deep in debt. We were all discussing this the other day about how they got so deep in debt. I mean, was it the Nextel merger? Was it the network vision growth? Or was it, what was it? I mean, I just can't figure it out, man. They just have no money. They're deep in debt. And Marcelo Claret has just got his hands full. Now, I, I will say a lot for this guy. He seems to be surrounding himself with some good people. He got a lot of people from Verizon, which I found interesting, and I'll tell you why. Because Verizon, their model is to have the best network and spend the money and roll out and continuously expand and grow. I mean, that's their model, right? I'm not making this up, have I? I mean, is that what everyone else sees? Now, AT&T, on the other hand, they do grow, they expand, but they seem to do it for the cheapest price possible in deployment. You know, the way I remember this, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like reverse auctions was really seen at AT&T in the wireless industry first. I mean, they really devalued a lot of things. They tried to commoditize a lot of things. And they just don't want to spend any more money than they absolutely have to on anything deployment. And that's when they were spending the money. Now that they're not spending the money, they're not spending anything, right? They're buying what they have to, what they more based on need than based on expansion. Maybe they feel they've got enough. Maybe they just feel they, they just don't need anymore. I mean, it could be that simple. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying, why, why spend the money? you know, if they don't have to. Maybe they think it's good enough and maybe the customers are not complaining. Maybe it's uh, one of those deals too. Anyway, Brent, they seem to be adding customers. I will say that. Their marketing seems to be working. They have a ton of commercials out there. They seem to be spending a lot of money on TV, on YouTube, any way they can get it out there. And they seem to be adding customers. They're trying to be the lowest cost carrier. And I think they're finding out that <laughs> it's, it's tough to do that. <laughs> Tough to make money when you're selling at Walmart prices. And the way Walmart does it, just to let you guys know, with quantity, they sell just a ton of crap. They make a lot of deals and they sort of bully the industry into giving them what they want. I mean, they were the first to go to China. They were the first to really do these overseas deals for very little money. And they really did change the retail industry. And it's hard to compete with Walmart on the Walmart model. Now, Amazon's done a great job because Amazon's online. They bring the product to you anyway getting into retail. Sorry, guys. Let's stick to wireless. I'm going to digress anyway. <laughs> I'll get off the subject soon enough. Oh, the other thing with Sprint is they really seem to be investing a lot of money in CDMA, you know, a technology they should be thinking about shutting down <laughs> eventually, you know, in 2020, 2021. And I, I would imagine they're rolling out Volte soon, but boy, does it seem to be taking a long time. If, if I were Verizon, just say it, if I were Verizon, I would shut down CDMA as soon as possible and, and run Volte on everything if they can. You know, I'm sure there's other reasons for that, but they have Volte running out and they seem to be successful with it. So that way, anyone that roams on the Verizon system uh, could not use voice on CDMA. <laughs> Just saying, what a great competitive advantage. Anyway, let's get back to the, um, let's get back to business here. So what about the tower owners like American Tower, Crown Castle, and SBA? You may not believe this, but they do play a huge part in this because let's face it, every macro site and the majority of small cell sites are probably owned by one of these guys. I mean, American Tower is huge here in the States. Crown Castle, they're huge here in the States, and so is SBA. If you want a new tower, from what I hear, SBA is the best one to work with you because SBA is willing to build new towers, which is pretty awesome but you're still locked into that SBA lease, just like Crown Castle and American Tower. The one thing I'll give these three companies is that when you take a lease with them, you are locked in. 
Ask Sprint when they shut down the Nextel system. They couldn't get out of a lot of those leases. They just left a lot of stuff out there because there was no point in removing it. They were just stuck in these leases. The other one that I personally know about is when Qualcomm, you know, was shutting down the Flow TV system when they sold the Spectrum to AT&T. Getting out of the leases was impossible. They just really had to let the leases run for the extra couple years. And what the tower owners do, which is smart, I'm not busting on them here. I'm just saying it's good business. They lock you in. The longer they lock you in, the better rate you get. But then really, as far as I know, there's no out of these leases. You're in, you're in, you're in. It, it'd be like just renting a place for ten, signing a 10-year lease to rent a place and you can't get out of it. Can you imagine? You know, you want to build a house, can't get out of it. You want to you want to move on, you want to move, you got another job offer, can't get out of your lease. You're going to just pay it. You can either pay the last five years or you can just keep the apartment for five years, whatever you want to do. And a lot of people just pay it to get out of it. I mean, they want out of it. Okay, there is one other alternative. What they could do is when they see the leases are running out, they could move, which I think is sort of Sprint's plan. You know, Sprint said that that was their plan early on, but I think they realized they couldn't get out of the leases and you saw what it did to stock prices. So I think Sprint's coming up with a better plan. I think they do plan to roll out and try to get off the towers as much as possible, which which is, you know, makes sense if they can do it. But is the CapEx worth saving the OpEx? To move a site, and the tower owners know this, it's very expensive. It's a lot of money to move a site. It's a lot of planning. I mean, it's a lot more than just the equipment. You can reuse the equipment. You can move it. You can pay the tower crew. And let me tell you, for as much hassles the tower crews get, for as much as they've driven down tower crew prices, that's not the big expense here. The big expense is you got site acquisition, which again, isn't a lot of money. They've driven that down too. You got to work with the municipalities. You got to get into the new townships. You got to go through zoning and permitting. That is an expense because it not only is work to do, it takes a lot of time and legal effort. You know, you're paying lawyers now. You're paying lawyers to do this because you have to get in. You have to move. Then you got to sign a new lease. Then you got to figure out how to get on it and you have zoning. And and then, you know, we all know what Sprint tried to do with um, trying to be a competitive carrier and get in with mobility. Yeah, they've had some success, but they sure didn't roll out thousands of sites that I am aware of. Hundreds, I would say. And mobility did what they could where they could, but it, I don't think it really worked out in Sprint's favor. Uh, again, I'm an outsider looking at it, and that's my opinion. So with that said, the tower companies are very strong. They're in a good position, and the way I see it, they're in the driver's seat. And the other thing with NIMBY, N-I-M-B-Y, not in my backyard, they have a lot of power because, I mean, new towers can't go up like they used to. And I was at a conference where the one guy said, I think it was either with American Tower or Crown Castle. I can't remember who it was. But he even said, you know, it'd be cheaper to build a new tower. Just build a big brand new tower and start adding to it. But we can't. The townships, the municipalities won't let us. We're going to beef up these existing towers. And that's what they have to do. And it's not their decision. Trust me. The municipalities and the townships are forcing them to load these towers as much as possible. And the FCC, while they know that, they aren't exactly doing a lot to build new towers, but they are trying to help, you know, at least the carriers with adding to the existing towers, with adding new things, without going through all the zoning and permitting hassles. And I'm, I'm just going to bust on a lot of the municipalities and townships here. Well, I, I do think they want the best in their neighborhood and they want the, in their hit neighborhoods, their townships, whatever. I think sometimes they go overboard and I think sometimes they think they're the wireless experts, which 
sometimes is a little silly to me because I've been to a lot of these zoning meetings and they're trying to compare it to a house or a business building, you know, and it's, it's very different. But all the same, I get what they're trying to do. They want their community to look good. They don't want it noisy. And they also don't want the neighbors to complain because who are the neighbors going to complain to? They're probably going to complain to Verizon, which is, or somebody, I shouldn't say just Verizon, but Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint. And what are they going to do? They're not going to spend the money. It's a one-off. It's a pain. It's one, two, three, four, ten complaints. They probably aren't going to bother with it. So then they're going to go to the municipality or township. Then it's their problem. Then they have to make a hundred calls. Who owns a tower? Crown Castle. What's Crown Castle or American Tower SBA going to say? They're going to say that particular transmitter belongs to Verizon Wireless or AT&T or T-Mobile or Sprint. Call them. You know, you're going to get the shuffle. How do I know this? Because I get emails and messages from people every, well, not lately, but for a while I was getting like two or three a week. Literally people saying, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I tell them your best bet is to complain to the township and see if they can pull the permit to see who owns it. I mean, what are you going to do? And the reason they're complaining, carriers, if you're listening, it's the noise. They don't really, most people don't care about the looks. I, now, don't get me wrong. You know, like if you go to DC, people want coverage, but they, they don't want to see any towers at all, which is just interesting to me because it's DC, you know, high security. But the way I see this thing is if you want the coverage, you're going to have to see a tower or see a pole or see at least a box on a pole. And most people, they're learning to live with that. They understand that. But the noise is where the problem is. When you have a lot of noise and, and the OEMs are doing stuff about this. They're, you know, they're coming up with units that don't need fans, natural airflow, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. So there are changes changes being made for this particular problem. So what does this do? With all the tower problems, I wouldn't say problems, but with the tower companies being in a strong position, I would see it'd be a right market for companies to come in and offer better rates, you know, another tower company to build more towers if they can, but the permitting and municipalities make it impossible. And I know personally of a bunch of towers that people wanted to build. And I know there are companies that reach out to the carriers and say, would you put your equipment on a tower in this area? And guess what the carrier said? N-O, no. Or they didn't respond. They didn't want to be bothered. So why build it if they won't come? What is this? A field of dreams? If you build it, they will come? Maybe, maybe not. Depends where you're at. But if you call them and ask them, hey, are you going to, would you come if I put a tower here? And they say no. <laughs> What's the point? Honestly. Why waste the money? Why invest the money? It's a lot of money to build a tower. It ain't free and it ain't cheap. So why do it? Now the carriers are complaining that there's no new towers, no competitive tower companies. And yet when you go to build a tower, they say, oh, we're not interested. We're not going to make a move. It's too much money. We don't see the payback, blah, blah, blah. Or it's a one-off. They don't want to be bothered with a one-off. And I get it. They're all big corporations now. I mean, really, all the carriers are corporations now. There, there is no little guy out there except maybe the smaller companies, you know, members, the smaller members of the CCA, Competitive Carriers Association. Those guys probably know what it's like to struggle. They, well, probably, they do. You know, they're out there busting their homes, trying to make do with what they have, but they're usually not corporations. They're usually smaller companies. You know, they're the ones that hire the little guy and they're the ones that move ahead when they can, but they also have tighter budgets. I know, getting off the point, but let's talk about one more thing that's going to hurt tower growth. I read the Wireless Estimator article about the new FAA rules that will require some 50-foot to 200-foot towers to be marked and maybe even have beacons on them. Now, it's interesting because I also found another PDF where the FAA safety.gov and the link's in there 
wireless estimator links in my blog at Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four wireless.com. It's all in there. So when you're looking at these, look at the example that the <laughs> that they picked in that PDF. They bring up like towers that are like uh, weather towers, you know, that have very little equipment on them. They could be 50, 100, 150 feet tall. They're smaller. They picked the flattest area in the States. I mean, when you see these pictures, I, I don't know if they're in the Midwest or where they're at. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't spend a lot of time. I just looked at the pictures and I'm like, Judas Priest, where's this at? You know, I live in the East Coast. Even on the West Coast, there's a lot of rolling hills and stuff, a lot of neighborhoods. And they pick like these these fields that have nothing in them. And I don't know how they took the pictures. Maybe they had a drone. I don't know. But here's the way I look at it. I get it that they want it marked. I'm fine with painting the towers, but if you have to put a beacon on it, what a nightmare. Could you imagine having a beacon in your neighborhood, like on a 50-foot tower? Boy, you talk about NIMBY. People are going to hate that thing. I mean, really, if you have a, it's bad enough they have a tower in their neighborhood, but they're like, oh, well, the tower, we got great coverage. You know, my cell phone works great here. My smartphone is awesome. All of a sudden, you put a beacon on it, and people are sleeping at night, and they see this flashing beacon. How's that going to go over? <laughs> what was the FAA thinking? They smoking crack over there? And let me ask you something. What what plane is flying at 50 to 100 from 50 feet to 200 feet? What plane is that low? If I see a plane that low, I'm calling 911 cuz I expect to see a, you know, a crash. <laughs> That's not a good sign. I that would scare me. I'm not by I don't live by an airport. Now, I thought of ultralights too, but I looked at ultralights and most of those guys are over 200 feet. I don't, maybe that's it. Maybe they're doing it for drones so drones can see it. Maybe, are there, are there areas where small planes fly at 100 feet? I mean, does that happen? <laughs> I mean, what's going on? And the pictures they took, the only people hitting those towers are crop dusters. And the crop dusters, I would think, would know where the towers are at, but who knows? <laughs> it just seems a bit crazy to me. For the FAA, to do something like that. If it's paint, I get it. I'm fine with marking the towers. If it's a beacon, boy, I, I got a problem with that. That has me worried for a lot of reasons. So just to be clear, this really looks like it's just painting the tower. I get that. I mean, that, that does make sense to me. But if they require beacons, that's insane. <laughs> and, and you know what? I got to be honest with you. I've been so busy. I haven't taken time to, to read the rules or anything. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> But in Wireless Estimator, they say really just paint it. But the examples they use to me are just ridiculous. Anyway, I know I'm getting off the point and I'm talking about NIMBY and I'm getting into like different things that just don't matter. But it does play into the bigger picture. The reason it plays into the bigger picture is because if the carriers have to pay a lot for rent, it's one more thing that they're, they're going to look for a way out of. And that seems to be what they're focused on lately. You know what? Think of all the costs they hammered down so far. The OEMs. They hammered on them. Now that LTE's out there, they're trying to make all that a commodity. They're trying to just figure out how to make it more like Wi-Fi, where they can just plug in any any LTE unit they can anywhere, although it's not that simple. There's a lot more to it than that. The services, they started with the tower climber services. They nailed, I wouldn't say nailed it, they pushed that price down towards a commodity. They're to the point where they don't want to pay for anything outside of their company. They don't have to, and I get that. Professional services, which I would consider the integration, the design, the RF design, things like that. They drove those prices down. They just feel they don't need it anymore. They feel the network's big enough. They don't need a detailed RF design. They figured uh, cheaper ways to do optimization. They're hoping that the SON, S-O-N, self-organizing network comes around. They're trying to make everything a commodity, a commodity, <laughs> commodity, so that they can drive these prices down. 
That's their goal. That's their plan. They want to drive everything down and they have control over a lot of the services. And to me, the last frontier that they haven't really pushed hard on is the rent for the towers. Now, let me ask you something. Why'd they sell their towers? <laughs> you know, they all had towers. AT&T had a ton of towers. Verizon had a ton of towers. Sprint had towers. T-Mobile had towers. And I'll tell you why they sold them. It was a quick buck. They sold big payoff, big, you know, payback for selling these towers. A lot of money. They made a lot of money. They made billions, enough to pay for the spectrum, which they had to give the FCC to these billions of dollars for Spectrum. Then the other thing they had to do was get rid of a division to save on their OPEX. So by getting rid of the whole tower division, or at least shrinking it down to where they can only manage the leases and such, they really saved themselves a lot of work. They saved themselves a lot of headcount, and they moved everything over to the people that do it best, American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA. So there you go. They turned it over. They gave it up. Now they don't hold as much power, right? Now, from what I hear, like some of the uh, uh, carriers are still building their own towers, which is good for them, good for the business. And I don't blame them because I think they realize what a mistake it was because now they hold very little power when it comes to leasing. I mean, really, do you really think they're going to build their own towers now? It just seems easier to just find somebody with a tower. And that's one thing I will give Crown Castle. Crown Castle continues to invest not only in towers, but in small cells. Look at what they've done in the small cell arena with ODAS and CRAN, and they've improved the deployment costs. They, they bought backhaul companies. They have everything there sitting and waiting for when some of the carriers come around. Carriers don't think they want to pay that, but it comes to a point where cost of deployment is very expensive, and there you have Crown Castle with the fiber and everything. And the other thing, Crown Castle, I'll give them a lot of credit. They worked through a lot of the problems with townships and municipalities and noise. They've been there, done that. They've already worked that out. The other thing they've done, they put in bigger poles. They put in nice poles. They make things look nice. You know, I really think they get it. And one last thing, it used to be one small cell per pole, but now... So Crown Castle's finding a way through not only with small cells, but with, uh, say, ODAS, outdoor DAS, or CRAN systems is what I would call them, you know, concentrated radio access network where you have a BBU hotel somewhere. They've come up with a great way to get multiple carriers on one little pole. So kudos to them, man. I mean, Crown Castle's really trying to make a difference here, and they really seem to be making a difference. So if the carriers are complaining about their own destiny, they should be pointing the finger back at themselves. They gave up a lot of control with the tower industry. I'm sorry, with the tower ownership by selling their towers to the people that do it best. And now they're complaining because they they basically are paying high rent. I mean, what'd you expect? And these, these leases are just something they can't get out of. So just get ready. I, I see that battle coming up here real soon between the carriers and the... Uh, tower owners. I'm not saying it's going to be ugly or nasty or anything. I'm just saying the carriers are just going to find a way to make it a commodity like they always do. But the thing standing in their way is the townships, the municipalities, and things like that, that are just going to stop them from being able to make the changes they want. You can't just build a tower anywhere now. It's a real challenge to build a tower now. I'm not saying new towers aren't going to go up. They're going up all the time. What I am saying is now when you build a new tower, Oh, you get to get the buy-in of the municipality or the township. You almost have to have public safety involved in it. And the way FirstNet's going, you can't really save 
public safety is going to be on any any LTE tower anytime soon unless they're going to share it with them. And that, that's how the carriers are probably going to have to play it. As a matter of fact, if you look at, like I read a lot Inside Towers a lot, and also AGL Magazine, I read those two a lot, and they talk about all the legal battles between the tower company, I'm not sorry, well, yeah, I guess you could say that, but really between the carriers and between the townships and municipalities. You don't just go out there and say, I'm building a tower. If the township says, we have too many towers, we don't want any more towers, that's enough of that. You got to go through a legal battle. It's a process. It's a, it's a battle to get it out there. And I know the FCC just changed a lot of rules. The feds made it easier, but they still fight it. They don't want a new tower there. You see it every day. Every day I read that, I see a new battle out there somewhere. And those are the ones that we read about. You know, there's probably who knows how many more that we don't even know about. The smaller townships, municipalities. So when you look at what the real cost of building a tower and deploying is, you should look at the legal fees. They're huge. It's funny that they push down the tower climber prices all these years to the point where it became a commodity. But yet legal fees continue to climb. The legal battles continue to climb. And the one thing the carriers are good at with these smaller townships and municipalities is fighting that battle. They're willing to raise the stakes and spend a lot of money to where these townships, remember, they rely on taxpayer money. They have to think about their budgets when they start spending this money. So what do they do? Do they cut their losses and run? Some do, some don't. But I think what they have to do is find some common middle ground. That's going to be key to the carriers. But in the states, in the U.S., ugh, so many townships and municipalities, it's not like you can just go to the feds and say, this is what we want to do. I mean, that sounds great. And it was done. You know, they passed a ruling that you have to give them a, an answer in a reasonable time. But it's just not working out that way. All right, everyone. Be smart. Be safe. And pay attention. Your safety matters. And I hope this helps. Sorry it was so long. I got a little long-winded. Just remember, the wireless deployment handbook, still for sale out there. I also have the tower climber handbook. I also have the scope of work handbook and the, and the tutorial. <laughs> Shameless plug for my products. But hey, be smart, be safe, pay attention. See ya.